change the channel. It is time for the real movie news. I'm Jim. This is Cody. And this is the news. Sony announced that they will be pushing Spider-Man 3, the third Tom Holland Spider-Man film, back a month to December of 2021, just in time for the holiday season. I suspect this move was because some other major studios have pushed their big temple movies back and this left a pretty big opening for this film to do even better than it would have done in its initial November release. Yeah, uh, it's sad, but inevitable. You know, pretty much another day, another delay is kind of the way this is rolling lately. Um, but, you know... It'll happen eventually. <laughs> I mean, this was the one, even though it's kind of an offshoot of Disney and Marvel, it's still connected. That's kind of stuck its foot and its ground on the release date. So just pushing it back a month is not anything major, whereas everything else in the MCU has been delayed Yeah, months or a year now because of the pandemic. Yeah, it's very true. Speaking of Disney, Disney decided to push almost everything back for a year. Uh, well, you know, all Star, all Star Wars films, Avatar films, they'll all be pushed back for a year. So uh, basically, that means that uh, both franchises uh, we won't see return until 2022. Disney also announced that Mulan, which had been listed for a tw uh, an August 21st release this year, has been taken off the calendar. Uh, the film was originally scheduled for a March release, but has been pushed back several times due to the pandemic. Yeah, they're just trying to figure out when and where is a good spot for Mulan. And this is just further proof that I don't know if we're ever going to see these Avatar sequels, because <laughs> now it's, what, 2022 when the yep. second one will drop? So that's, what, 13 years after the original? Wow, yeah, it's been a minute. And I don't know what future Star Wars films are in the making other than they've approached Taka Waititi to direct one. So I guess that's the only one on the docket that I know of, which, um, segueing into my next story, he's directing this first. Um, the fourth Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder, will start filming early next year around March. Taika Waititi, who directed Thor Ragnarok, is returning along with cast members Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman is coming back as Jane Foster, and Christian Bale has been announced as the villain, but they haven't said who he's playing yet. Yeah, I'm excited for Thor. Uh, I, I love uh, the idea that Natalie Portman's coming back for this, um, you know. Uh, I think she's the one who actually dropped it that they were uh, going to be recording soon in, uh, or in the beginning of the year in Australia. Um, but I, I think it'll be fun. Uh, you know, I think Thor's been pretty good. Uh, I mean, not, it's not all been amazing films, but they've been solid enough. And uh, bringing Natalie Portman back for what uh, appears to be the, uh, the lady Thor, if you will, or female Thor uh, version, which is what I think everybody suspects. I don't know if they've outright said it for sure yet, but it lean, it's leaning that way. So I think it'll be exciting. 
Dave basically said that's what's going to happen, and I think what happened was she was very disappointed in how her character was treated in the second Thor, and how they um, basically fired Patty Jenkins from directing that film, so she was kind of done. But then I guess she saw Thor Ragnarok and saw how much fun that movie was and decided, well, if someone like Waititi's doing this, I want in on it, which I'm excited he's coming back to direct it because I feel like he put an adrenaline shot into the Thor franchise and leaned into the comedic aspects of Chris Hemsworth's talent. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do with this next one. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of good there. I think... Um... You know, while the the feel was very different, it did give us a boost on the Marvel uh, movies. Also, I know Natalie Portman had expressed some, uh, to my understanding, was the disinterest in playing just basically the love interest who wasn't a a big strong, a main character really in the in the films, and uh, so at least it feels like she's going to get a, a bigger role now. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, she's a she's an Academy Award-winning actress. She's very talented, so, you know, if she's going to do something like this, you know, where she's not the main character, she at least wants something that's, you know, substantial of her talents. Right, right. Which speaking I understand of, that. Yeah, speaking of superhero news, uh, the upcoming release of the Snyder Cut will be very different than the Warner Brothers cut of the film. Zack Snyder announced this week that he will not be using any of the film that was shot by Joss Whedon, but only the film that was shot for his vision of the film. Yeah, him saying this makes me think for sure he's going to have to do reshoots because I'm not sure how far he filmed or advanced he filmed when uh, it was Warner Brothers had him step down and then he announced that he was leaving the project because of personal issues which i know he did have a daughter that passed but yeah this suspects me that he has some reshooting to do because i don't know how much of a film he had in the can before warner's brought whedon in to finish the film yeah, I don't know. I uh, I suspect he did a lot, obviously, but I mean, he. I feel that if he's not doing reshoots, he may be having to piece a little bit too much together, and uh, trying to make it fit. Um, I, I I don't suspect that he did everything to completion, or they wouldn't have uh, hired Joss Whedon. I don't think to do more shooting, unless he did very little shooting. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would suspect reshoots. And if they're gonna reshoot and do all this stuff, I hope they do a more than just release it straight to streaming. I think it would be a great opportunity to make a little extra money, too. If, because of the buzz is going as much as it is, I really think it'll be... I think people will pay to go see it in theaters, even with reshoots. Assuming they do reshoots and it's that different. Well, I mean, all those fanboys that have been demanding the Snyder Cut will go see it, and these DCEU diehard fans who mm-hmm. have tried to create this shift between Marvel and DC would definitely go see it. Well, and a lot may go see it just to talk about how oh. bad it is. I mean, yeah, that too. There'll be people who will want to hate watch it and be like, see, the Snyder Cut's just as terrible, if not worse. But, yeah. I mean, people <laughs> would go see it all around. I'm just saying, you know, you have a certain audience that is guaranteed to yeah. go see it. Very true. Uh, more news on Christopher Nolan's Tenet as it seems to be the movie to talk about every day. 
and the movie studio thinks this is the film to save the theaters. Warner Brothers has announced that they are going to be releasing the film internationally on August 26th in various international markets that have basically bounced back from COVID and have their theaters open. And then they said they will release the film September 3rd in whatever U.S. market is safe to open, which is not New York City and not Los Angeles. So I don't know what that U.S. market looks like, but it's going to be strange. We might be getting a tenant release in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty sad news for big Christopher Nolan fans in the United States because it pretty much means you're going to get spoiled uh, for this film because uh, there's no way that they're going to release it overseas and we're not going to hear about it because we have this thing called the Internet. Um, plus people who review films right away and everything else. There's, there's literally, uh, there's going to be pirating. There's going to be all sorts of things going on trying to make sure that everyone sees this film. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they might be wise, and I think we talked about this earlier, to go ahead and drop it on uh, streaming services the same day in the United States just to make sure that people pay to see it. Not streaming services, but uh, video on demand. I mean, I know Nolan doesn't want to release it that way, but that's the only way he's going to get potentially a fraction of their money back from this film. Because even if this thing does gangbusters in Europe and the Asian markets where it's going to open, not having the U.S., full U.S. market is still going to take a toll, and I don't know how much the U.S. market factors for a film's um, money, like how much money they make from the U.S. market. And another thing is, you know, if this is what gets people in America to do what's right, then you know what? We deserve to get spoiled for this movie because people are being <laughs> bad and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's why people internationally can see this movie sooner because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and not making mask wearing and social distancing a political thing. That's very true. Uh, you know, so many people in the United States are just acting like nothing's going on or straight up denying that it's a big issue. Since the beginning, people would say, oh, it's just the flu. Well, sure, it's similar to the flu in the fact that millions of people die from it. And but we don't have uh, a vaccine. We don't we're not used to it. There's a lot of science we don't know yet. There's a lot of information we don't understand. And everybody's guessing and going back and forth trying to figure out what it is and what's going on. But in the United States, we're automatically going, oh, well, that means they have no idea and they're stupid instead of going, that's how the scientific method works. We guess, we try, and then we see what happens. And then if that's wrong, we do it again. We find a new option. And the, the truth is, yeah, we're spoiled in the United States. We're used to getting everything first. We don't, uh, you know, and we don't want to have to do stuff that we don't want to. And that's, and right now it's showing. Um, I think, I think really, I think, uh, you know, it getting released overseas is going to be an eye-opener for a lot of people, but I do think it'll hurt the film in many ways because I know if a movie like that was spoiled for me, because, you know, generally that type of film has a very serious and very mysterious sort of plot, I'm not going to want to go see it in theaters after I already know how, how it ends. Uh, I would wait till video at that point, but 
or till digital release or whatever. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this will either change the way films are being released in a COVID world, or basically we'll go back to like, there's hardly any movies, but if this proves to be fairly successful, then I would not be surprised if more films do this in the wake of um, trying to make some money, even though there's not a there's a large portion of the U.S. that they're not going to make. But we'll see. But I feel like eventually they're either going to have to delay the film again or they're just going to have to... Well, I guess Nolan. I don't think Warner Brothers has an issue with it being released on VOD if they have to release it on VOD. Yeah. But I think they will swallow their pride and release it on some platform whether you have to pay and i think people would pay twenty dollars to watch this because i know a lot of these smaller films people mm -hmm. aren't paying but i think with this type of movie people would pay the 20 bucks to watch it yeah you're probably right i know a lot of people would also risk it to go to theaters even if it was just like uh like limited i think if it came out and they didn't know, I think they would pay to see it. But yeah, definitely I think with, uh, with the fact that they don't want to be spoiled, a lot of people would pay to see it on demand. So. Speaking of Universal Studios, um, another casualty of the pandemic will be the Halloween Horror Nights, a tradition of both Universal Studios of, in Hollywood and Orlando. The After Hours event has been a staple of the studios going back 30 years in Orlando. The official statement about Halloween Horror uh, Nights reads, Universal Orlando Resort will be focusing exclusively on operating its theme parks for daytime guests until the enhanced health and safety pro uh, procedures already in place. Uh, are using the enhanced health and safety procedures already in place. Universal Studios Hollywood continues to face ongoing business restrictions and unnecessary and uncertainty around its opening time frame. Refunds are already being rewarded for those who have already purchased tickets or vacation packages. Universal vows that this event will return for the 2021 spooky season. I certainly hope so. I've not been at that time of year, but I know it's like pretty much the premier like haunted house area and they go full force into this. And it seems like it's one of their best things they do. But yeah, this is smart, even though they, you know, they decided to reopen, which isn't smart. But I know people <laughs> want to make money. But uh, yeah, because when I went at Christmas time, it was hard, especially when we went to Harry Potter Land at um, Diagon Alley part of the park. It was jam packed. So yeah. yeah, this is probably smart not to do so. I know it's sad. And as a horror fan, I'm sad anyways because I know, like, this is, like, one of the best things, you know, and I know they they pull out all the stops, whatever the theme is for that sure. year. Sure, and I, I mean, you know, considering they probably have to spend most, have people cleaning and doing all the things they have to do after uh, that they normally wouldn't have to spend as much time doing because of the COVID-19 and all the enhanced health and safety things they have to deal with. Um yeah, I, I think it's sad, and I know there are a lot of people who just go to this every year. It's like a big thing for them, uh, and that sucks. But it's probably wise so they can 
focus on the daytime and uh, at least stay open and hopefully, you know, have limited to very few, if hopefully none, uh, no uh, outbreaks at uh, Universal Studios. But, you know, at least limit the number. So. Rumors are floating around that Disney Plus is developing another Star Wars spin-off series. Rumors are saying that they might develop a Lando Carlisian TV series with Donald Glover in the lead. I'm pretty excited about this if it does happen because he was one of my favorite parts of the Solo movie. And... Why that movie didn't completely work, I don't think it's as awful as some people said it was. And I would love to see more of him in this role. Yeah, I'm excited. I love the film, actually. And, again, he's probably the best part of it. Um, the news was broke on this one uh, by a podcast called Kessel Run Transmissions. And while normally that would be a reason not to take it with uh, any seriousness... But they're also the same people who broke the news on the Bad Batch Clone Wars uh, before they announced, before it was official as well. So they may have an inside source that most people don't. So this could be, it seems like it has some legs to it, but there's, there's no way of knowing for sure until they say it's official. Uh, but I'm excited either way. If you've been waiting to see Bill and Ted face the music in theaters, you may want to sit down for this. The film is still expected to be released in theaters, but due to continued delays in opening of theaters, Orion Pictures has announced that the third Bill and Ted film will be released in video on demand on uh, September 1st, and any theaters that are open, and as well to any theaters that are open. Uh, this is obviously better than just a digital-only release, but that does not appear to be. Good news for uh, this and other upcoming theatrical releases, that they're going to drop it on video on demand for, as the primary at this point, assuming that's going to be uh, more likely than actually having theaters. I mean, I know it's sad, especially for... Because I know a large group of people... Well, not a large group, but I know there's a large group of people that are actually really excited for this movie. But, I mean... I'm okay with watching Bill and Ted 3 at home. I've only <laughs> seen the first Bill and Ted, and while I enjoy it, I'm not I'm not frothing at the mouth for a third one, but I am enjoying this um, return of a Keanu Reeves popularity from the success <laughs> of the John Wick films, because I know he's also filming another Matrix film as well. So I'll watch this movie, but... I'm perfectly fine with watching it in the comfort of my home. And if they want to release it there because, you know, you can't release it as wide, I understand. It's a little sad. I prefer to see movies on the big screen. But this one, I'm okay with watching at home and not having the theater experience for this one. But I don't yeah. know. Do you, do you have a different opinion? Look, I mean, I was never, I never watched Bill and Ted until this year. Um, and I watched the first one and I watched the second one, which I actually enjoy the second one more in many ways. Um, so give it a shot. Uh, you know, I heard a lot of, probably because I mainly heard negative about the second. So it really depends on how much you like the first one versus uh, some other things. It, it, has, it has good and bad. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, me and uh, my my buddies Drew and Jacob are reviewing it for a podcast, so I would rather see it in theaters because it'll cost me a little bit less than paying on-demand prices. 
Uh, but yeah, if, if theaters aren't open, I'll, I'll, I'll end up probably watching it on demand. Um, you got to think of it this way, though, Jim, because I know that on-demand price sometimes seems a lot for one movie, but think, <laughs> if you and Amanda went and saw that movie together, it would cost around 20 bucks. Well, yeah, but I get, but that's, that's, that's with my popcorn <laughs> and my drink. <laughs> because, I mean, we usually go on Discount Tuesdays. We get our, our $10. Okay, okay. So, you know. And, okay, and, well, imagine it's a Friday night that you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's about the price around here. And in some markets, that's the price for one movie ticket. For sure, for sure. I remember paying those prices, uh, and then I then I stopped. <laughs> and also got AMC A-List, which was very handy. Just hasn't been lately, so, uh, you know. No, but that was nice of them to cancel our service while there's while yeah. they're not open yeah it, that, it's very nice but hopefully we'll get to use that again at some point in <laughs> so. more star wars news they said they will start filming the obi-wan kenobi series in march which i think is a great idea that they push this to a tv series i know it was originally going to be a movie but due to um the failure or not enough money made on Solo's behalf, they decided to make this a TV series. And I think this is a more, it's a better outlet for this because I think people are kind of tired of these prequel films where you have to kind of wrap everything up in two hours. And this way they can delve more into what Obi-Wan Kenobi is up to those 20 years on Tatooine and do something more interesting than they would have been able to do in a two-hour film. Well, absolutely. I mean, look at the success of The Mandalorian. I mean, if we're talking about anything close to that, you're talking about 10 hours of Obi-Wan content uh, in the Star Wars universe. This is way better than a movie in many ways, especially when we're talking about these high-production value TV shows. If we're talking about uh, stepping it way down and it not being great, that's another thing. But I don't think they're going to do that. They want to make sure these Star Wars products, especially with big names like Ewan McGregor, it's going to get the money and the time they need to make it. Um, the only, I mean, I love the movies, and I think they're phenomenal. Uh, and I enjoyed every movie they've ever put out in theaters, um, which is saying something. <laughs> but, you know, look, there is... I would love to see just a movie, but this means we're going to get far more content, hopefully, um, than we would in a two, two and a half hour film. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm excited he's coming back in the role because arguably he was probably the best part of the prequels. Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, acting talent, he is the best in the prequels as far as uh, quality that we get on the screen. Um, you know, I mean, Duel of the Fates... Uh, Darth Maul was great, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anakin is not great, uh, but, you know, bearable. I mean, there are some good things here and there. I still think 3 is the best film in the franchise, uh, but that's uh, because it brought everything together. But that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. <laughs> well, if you haven't watched uh, the Clone Wars series... I recommend you do that because it definitely helps uh, flesh out Anakin and make him a more interesting and um, sympathetic character than he was portrayed in the the two films. It does. Well, three films, but you know, the first one, he's a kid. So Attack yeah. of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, the, the series helps 
make ever it kind of makes the prequels better than they are by fleshing things out and getting the stuff we kind of wanted in those movies that we didn't yeah. get. Well, there's also some great novels that came out during the, when the Clone Wars uh, during the the time of the first three movies, the tri- uh, the the pre- uh, the prequel trilogies and the Clone Wars. There's some really good novels that came out that helped before the Clone Wars was uh, as great as it was. The Clone Wars, uh, which is the second Clone Wars animated series, if you haven't seen Clone Wars and just seen the Clone Wars, which is the one everybody knows, you should watch Clone Wars as well. Uh, but yes, the Clone Wars is a great, tri- a great cartoon, and it's also great for adults. It is a little has some adult themes uh, for those who have kids watching it as well. But it's pretty awesome. Are you talking about the uh, one that Samurai Jack guy did that were like five or yes. ten minute episodes? Yeah, those are really cool. But I don't think Disney or Lucasfilm like acknowledges those anymore for some reason. Well, I think it's one of those things like they wanted to create more content, and uh, so they deny them because they pretty much lead right up to uh, some of the films. They they do a really good job. Um, and they are a little different, and they're artsy and all that. And I think some people just didn't enjoy that, uh, you know. And again, they they wanted to be able to make these uh, several seasons of shows. So yeah, I uh, I love them. I wish I, I don't own them on DVD or anything. I wish I did. But yeah, I've seen. I uh, I think I, I think in college someone gave me a pirated version of them. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Paramount Pictures has announced that April 8, 2022 will be the release date for the Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. After the success of the first film, grossing over $300 million back in April, it was inevitable that they would be making a sequel. And that was honestly our second, uh, the second biggest draw we've had this, season, this year for films, right behind um, uh, uh, Bad Boys... Uh, Bad Boys for Life. That was the the number one rating film, or number one selling film in theaters this year. What a year! Who would have guessed <laughs> Bad Boys for Life and Sonic the Hedgehog, the two highest grossing movies of twenty twenty? Um, this is interesting because this is one of the few video game movies that has gotten a sequel, but this movie was very successful and had a, it wasn't critically praised, but it wasn't like panned. It had a pretty decent critical reception. So it's exciting that it's getting a sequel and we'll see what they do because they did tease already at the end of the first film that a sequel was coming. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the first film was so good. It was family friendly. It was it paid homage to the the video game, and it was perfect for that. You know, if you watch, if you played the game as the kid, as a kid, then you're probably already at that age where you're having kids. You may have kids, so a lot of your first generation Sega players have children who are getting to watch this film as kids, and it's a really good bonding sort of film for that. So. Director Edgar Wright is set to direct a film called Stage 13, which is about a studio backlot being haunted by an old Hollywood star. Now, I don't know how much development this film is because he was announced to direct something else and his film Last Night in Soho, which is a horror film, has been pushed back to next year, but... The concept alone and with him at the helm, this sounds very intriguing and interesting. So if it comes through fruition, I will 
go see this because I'm an Edgar Wright fan and thus far he has not disappointed me and this looks like it could be fun if he ends up making it but like I said he has two or three other projects that he's an, been announced to be directing yeah um it looks interesting I know um Simon Rich is the one who wrote the story that it's based on uh and he's also writing the screenplay and uh producing it I think so you know we'll see what happens I love the concept I think it sounds really cool um and I don't know if it's going to be kind of funny or not. I know uh, apparently the, 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 the short story, I think, is what it was that Simon Rich wrote was, had a little more comedy in it. So it was kind of a comedy horror thing, which is right up Edgar Wright's alley, too. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff like that. So um, who knows? We'll see. Uh, but I, I'd probably watch it, too, if it comes out. So. Okay, so uh, upcoming film, To the Extreme, will star Dave Franco as Vanilla Ice. The film, named after Vanilla Ice's first album, is still in pre-production due to delays caused by COVID-19. The film will chronicle uh, the rapper's rise to stardom and the struggles that came along the way. Um, uh, just hearing that, you think, why on earth would they make a Vanilla Ice movie? Like, who is <laughs> frothing to see this? But... With Dave Franco in it, and um, I don't know, they could do something really good with this, or it could be just completely stupid. But I mean, with him and James, when they did The Disaster Artist, which was about the making of the movie The Room, mm -hmm. which was great. So if there's some kind of energy there, I know, you know, some people are unabashed Vanilla Ice fans, but if it's kind of in the same vein as how that movie was made, I think this could be really fun. Well, look, I mean, you could uh, you could definitely talk about a lot of interesting... Uh, how, um, uh, you could talk about a bunch of interesting different things that musicians have to deal with um, in general. Vanilla Ice being famed for his using the beat from Under Pressure... Uh, in his song, uh, Ice Ice Baby, which I'm sure is a, a key point to this film. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of history in, in music and stuff, and I think uh, most films about artists, good, bad, the ugly, I think there's always some messages we can learn. Now, will this be a big-budget film or a really big theatrical film? I don't think so, but I could definitely see it being one of those films that has some uh award-winning qualities even just because of the writing possibly or or the way it looks it might be very art if especially if they go artsy with it i would think but who knows yeah this will be a modest budget film and like i said if it's done in the vein of how they made the disaster artists it could definitely be done really really well plus i'd like to just see a film sequence of suge knight um holding vanilla ice over the Oh, crap. What do you call that? The balcony. Over a balcony of a <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what it does. Indeed. Speaking of Edgar Wright from my last story, two of his friends, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, are reteaming for a web series called Truth Seekers, which they've released some photos of this show. I believe it's going to be on Amazon, and it's about ghost hunters. And it's also starring Malcolm McDowell. So those three people involved in it, plus 
it's about ghost hunting i I, i'm in i i don't (laughs) even need to know anymore like if it's i know it's gonna be funny but i'm in that they had me at simon Pegg, nick frost ghost hunting yeah it sounds like a fun uh series uh i know amazon picked it up last year uh about this time um and it's supposed to be scheduled for the fall i don't know if we're gonna see it in the fall or not due to all the covid stuff and any issues they've had with production i'm not sure of but yeah i mean uh shawn of the dead and hot fuzz and all those are, are good films they're fun uh simon Pegg's usually fantastic um you know it's a good group um so yeah i'm excited i'll watch it and i think it is on amazon so yeah like i said i think it was picked up by amazon last year so but yeah um i don't have any more news do you have anything else no that's pretty much what i got i mean there's some more things developing but i felt like those were the biggest things to talk about yeah i think that's i think it's good um, all right, everybody listening, if you, uh, if you happen to think of something you want us to touch on or some, uh, something you'd like us to talk on at length, feel free to let us know uh, via the social media pages. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll try to get on that. Plus, we're going to try to keep consistent uh, recordings up every week. So catch us next time. Yep. Bye, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us at Real Movie News on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to shoot us an email with some recommendation on stuff to talk about, you can reach us at realmovienewschannel at gmail.com. If you'd like to keep up with me or any of my other things I'm doing on social media, you can find my podcast at Video Store VideoStoreRJ1 on Twitter and at Video Store Rejects on Facebook. And if you'd like to keep up with me personally, you can find me at FilmNerd85 on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me at Cody's Film Page on Facebook. Uh, If you'd like to follow me, Jim, uh, you can get me at uh, Passive Creative on Facebook and Twitter or uh, as Passive Creator on Instagram. Also, if you're interested in other movie podcasts I do, I'm on Movie of the Week podcast, which you can find on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well as get wherever you get your podcasts.